have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. We're in a series entitled Exalting Jesus, and um, I would like for us to read the verse 4 through verse 14, verses 4 through verse 14. Why don't we stand together in honor of God's Word as we read God's Word this morning. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning at verse 4, and we'll read through the chapter. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels... God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool of your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits, sent out to serve for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? May God bless the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. Let me begin by just asking this question. Why are you here today? Why did you decide to come to church this morning? Maybe it's because your parents made you come. You were kind of forced into it. I remember when I was coming along, I I would have to admit that. Maybe you're here because, well, you want to please your wife. You want to please your husband. Therefore, you came. Maybe it's because, isn't that what Christians should do? They should come to church? Why did you come this morning? I hope you came to worship God because that is exactly who God is seeking. He is seeking worshipers. John chapter 4, verse 23, we read the words of Jesus, But for the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now listen to those words. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. You know, this book of Hebrews that we we're studying is all about worship. It's all about worship. It's all about exalting Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus is exalted in every chapter in this marvelous book because no one compares to Jesus There has never been a person like Jesus, and there never will be a person like Jesus. He's the greatest. Now, last week, we focused on the greatness of Jesus. 
And we saw that Jesus is the greatest because he is the inheritor of all things. He's the creator of the world, we saw. He is the radiance of God's glory. He's the image of God's person. He's the sustainer of the universe. He's the purifier uh, of sin. He's the exalted king. You know, how should we respond to this? How, how should we respond to the greatness of Jesus? There's only one way. Worship. I hope you came this morning to worship Jesus, to worship him. I pray that as we hear God's word, we will worship him and love him more and more. In our passage this morning, the writer of Hebrew tells us that Jesus is greater than the angels. You know, that, that's his main point. Jesus is greater than the angels. Look at verse 4. Having become as much superior to angels. Now, what do we know about angels? Well, we know a great deal about angels. Angels are mentioned 108 times in the Old Testament, 165 times in the New Testament, for a total of 273 times. We know that angels were created by God before the world was created because in Job 38, 7, verse 7, it says that the angels shouted for joy when the foundation of the earth was laid. Also, angels are innumerable. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, angels are, are pictured before the throne of God in heaven, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands worshiping and praising God. Also, we know that angels are often invisible, invisible. Angels often appear as men. I think of the two, two angels that appeared as men as Jesus was ascending to heaven, and they said, you know, this same Jesus that you see going up to heaven, he's going to return in like manner. Angels are sometimes, they sometimes appear as glorious winged beings, like the seraphim that appeared to Isaiah in the temple. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. You know, the word angel means messenger. And that's who they are. That's who they are. They're messengers of God. They announce God's message to man like the angel Gabriel who brought the good news to Mary that she was going to give birth to the Son of God. What are some of the duties of, of these angels? Well, they're worshipers. <laughs> uh, they, they worship God. So if you came to worship God this morning, and, and if you are worshiping God now, if you're focusing on Him, you're doing exactly what the angels are doing right now in the presence of God in heaven because they are worshipers. Angels are servants of God. Angels announce God's message to man. Angels minister to believers. I love Psalm 34, verse 7. It says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Angels are also agents of God's judgment upon the earth in the last days. It, it will be the angels that, 
that opened the seven sealed judgments. It will be the angels that blow the trumpets of judgment. It will be the angels that pour out the wrath of God upon the tribulation in the tribulation period. Angels are also supernatural beings. They're awesome in power and beauty. Yet Jesus, and this is the point of the author of Hebrews, Jesus is much greater than the angels. You know, why did the author of Hebrews spend so much time in his letter proclaiming the superiority of Jesus to angels? Well, we need to know a little bit about the context uh, of this letter. We need to understand the circumstances these Hebrew Christians were going through. These Jewish believers were going through severe persecution from the Jews in the synagogue for their faith in Jesus Christ. Simply because they loved Jesus, they were being persecuted. So they were being told by these Jews in the synagogue that if they would only say that Jesus is just an angel, maybe the greatest angel of all the angels, but if they would just affirm that Jesus is an angel and not God, they would escape persecution. So many of them were being deceived, and many of them were tempted to turn away from the truth about who Jesus is. You know, this reminds me of a similar deception that's being spread in our day that says Jesus is just a way to God. He's just a way to God, but not the only way to God. That there are many ways to God. Jesus is just one of the many ways to God. Oh, that's being spread all over the place today. That Jesus is just a great teacher, he's just a great prophet, a great example of love and sacrifice, but he's not God. Well, the author of Hebrews is determined to silence this false teaching that seeks to reduce Jesus to an angel. And we need to stand against the false teaching today that seeks to reduce Jesus just to a good man, a great teacher, a great prophet. Oh, my friend, he is God, the everlasting God. Well, angels are awesome, but they're just servants. Jesus is God. Now, in our passage today, the author of Hebrews gives us five reasons Jesus is greater than angels. Five reasons why Jesus is greater than angels. The first is Jesus has a greater name than angels. He has a greater name than angels. Look at verse 4. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, in Hebrew culture, names were very, very important. They were very, very important. A person's name reflected a person's nature. And we know that some angels have names. Michael. Michael the archangel, that means who is like God. Gabriel is another angel, and, and that name means shining one. What magnificent names. Who is like God? Shining one. But Jesus' name is much greater than angels. Would you look with me at verse 5, the first part of verse 5 again. 
notice what it says. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? This is a quote from Psalm 2. God never said that about an angel. God never said that about an angel, but he said that about Jesus. He said that to Jesus. Or look at the second part of verse 5. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. That's a quotation from 2 Samuel chapter 7. But God never said that to an angel. But he said that to Jesus. See, God never called an angel son, but he called Jesus son. Son has been Jesus' name from all eternity. Jesus has always been the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, and God has always been his Father. Jesus proved that he was the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus is Son. Jesus is the Son of God. Angels are, are messengers of God. They're awesome. They're great. They're wonderful, but they're just messengers, just messengers. Jesus is greater than angels because he has a greater name, Son, the Son of God. Second, Jesus has a greater honor than angels, a greater honor than angels, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6, this is a quotation from Deuteronomy 32. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, speaking of Jesus, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Let all God's angels worship him. Now, we know when Jesus was born a babe in Bethlehem, the angels honored him by their worship. We just... We just celebrated Christmas not long ago in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. We read, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. They worshiped him. They worshiped him. In Revelation chapter 5, we get a peek inside the pearly gates of heaven. And what do we see? Well, let's read it. Revelation 5, beginning at verse 11. And I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing, honor, and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Wow. The angels worshiped Jesus in eternity past. Before he became a man at Bethlehem, they worshipped him at his birth. They worshipped him during his earthly ministry, and they will worship him throughout all eternity. That is never said about the angels. The angels are never worshipped. 
but Jesus is. Don't say Jesus is greater than the angels because he has a greater honor. Thirdly, I want us to see Jesus has a greater position, a greater position than angels. What is the role of angels? What is the position of angels? Well, look with me at verse 7. This is a quotation from Psalm 104. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angel, angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Oh, here we see that angels are supernatural beings. They're able to do incredible things like transforming themselves into wind and fire in order to accomplish and to do the will of God. They have an awesome role, no question about it. But Jesus has a greater position than angels. Who is Jesus? He is the eternal sovereign king. This is what the Father says to Jesus. Look at verse 8. This is a quotation from Psalm 45. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Now notice, God the Father is saying this to God the Son, His Son. He is calling Him God. He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. See, Jesus' throne is an everlasting throne. His rule and reign will never end. Oh, angels are awesome. They can perform feats beyond imagination. They can transform themselves into wind and to fire. But they're only servants. Jesus is the sovereign king. His throne is an everlasting throne. You know, my friend, there are no everlasting thrones on earth. The Caesars of Rome have long passed. The kings and queens of England, well, they just come and go. The great monarchs of Europe, they have all vanished. The kings of Israel are no more. But Jesus' throne is everlasting and everlasting. Just imagine a thousand years from now, Jesus will still be on his throne. 10,000, 100,000 years from now, Jesus will still be on his throne. A million years from now, Jesus will still be on his throne. A trillion years from now, Jesus will still be on his throne. Oh, he's greater than angels because he has a greater role, a greater position. He is the eternal sovereign king. Fourthly, I want us to see that Jesus has a greater existence than angels. A greater existence than angels. Look with me, chapter 1, verses 10, beginning at verse 10. And Lord, you, Lord, lay the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. But you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Again, angels are just servants. But who is Jesus? He is the eternal creator. 
Jesus called this world into existence by his spoken word. We saw this last time that he is the agent of creation. Everything that was created was created by him and for him. Jesus called this world into existence. And one day he's going to call this world out of existence by his word. On that day, Jesus is going to take hold of this old world and he's going to roll it up like an old garment and discard it for a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to make all things new. This old world will perish, but Jesus is eternal and unchanging. He's eternal and unchanging. So we must not place our hope down here. Oh, my friend, we must not place our hopes down here. There's no security in this old world in which we live. Place your hope in Jesus. Place your hope in him. Nations will fall. Economies will crumble. Governments will change. Presidents will come and go. But Jesus is eternal and he is unchanging. The author of Hebrews says in Chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me ask you, who are you trusting? Who are you trusting? What are you trusting? You don't have to look any further than Jesus. You don't have to look any further than Jesus. He is always there, and he will always be there. Put your trust in man, a president, a political party, and you will be disappointed. But Jesus will never disappoint you. He's got my vote. How about you? And then finally, I want us to see Jesus has a greater occupation than angels. A greater vocation than angels. What is Jesus' occupation? Well, we've seen it over and over again. He is king. He's ruler. Listen to verse 13. A quotation from Psalm 110. And to which of the angels has he, that is God, ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? The answer is none. God never said that to any of the angels, but he said it to Jesus. He said it to Jesus. And one day, all the enemies of God are going to be put under the foot of Jesus Christ and become his footstool. Not the angels. Not the angels. All of the God haters, just think about it, all the Bible haters, all of the Christ haters will one day be put under Jesus' foot. I believe Paul had this in mind when he, when he wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, including angels. <laughs> Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, angels included. Angels included. Oh, Jesus is the sovereign ruler. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord 
of lords. But angels, they have an entirely different occupation. They're servants. They're servants of God and servants of God's people. Look at verse 14. It says, are they not all ministering spirits? Speaking of angels, they're ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. The force of the verb here is that angels are continually, they are continually being sent out to serve us, to serve God's people. Continually. That's why they were created. In fact, angels are deployed right now as a mighty army protecting us, helping us, delivering us, serving us. We are surrounded by angels right now at this very moment. We can't see them. We can't touch them. But they're here. They're here. If only our spiritual eyes could be open, we would be astonished what we would see. They're continually being sent out to help us. Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps round those who fear him and delivers them. In Billy Graham's book, Angels, he tells the story of John G. Patton, who served with his life for many, many years as a missionary in the South Pacific Islands. I'd like to share this story with you about angels. On a dark night about a hundred years ago, Scottish missionary John Patton and his wife found themselves surrounded by cannibals intent on taking their lives. That terror-filled night, they fell to their knees and prayed that God would protect them. As they prayed, the missionaries heard the cries of savages and expected them to come through the door at any moment. But as the sun began to rise, to their astonishment, they found that the natives were retreating into the forest. The couple's heart soared to God. It was a day of rejoicing. The missionaries bravely continued their work. A year later, the chieftain of that tribe was converted to Christ. As the missionary spoke with him, he remembered the horror of that night. He asked the chieftain why he and his men had not killed them. The chief replied, who were all those men who were with you? The missionary answered, why? There were no men with us. There was just my wife and myself. The chieftain began to argue with him, saying, There were hundreds of tall men in shining garments with drawn swords circling about your house, so we could not attack you. They're ministering spirits. As a pastor, I've heard many stories from missionaries giving the same, same testimony of the fact that angels were sent to protect them. I can even look back in my life, and I believe I've been protected by angels many times. Let me just share briefly three times in my life that I felt like I was being protected by angels. Early in my ministry, I was traveling down a rural road in Alkaloo, South Carolina, near Manning, and where I was pastoring there, and I was just going maybe 40, 45 miles an hour down the road, and 
all of a sudden, a speeding car came beside me and stopped right beside me and actually forced me off the road into a ditch. And I must have been going 40 miles an hour through that ditch. Never lost control. Never lost control. I was able to just get right back on the road and was absolutely fine. A few months ago, Cindy and I were traveling on I-26 towards Columbia. And there was a lot of traffic, but the traffic was moving quickly. We were going maybe 60, 65 miles an hour. Everything was going. Then all of a sudden, all the cars in front of me immediately began to brake. And I put on the brakes as hard as I could, and I knew there's no way in the world I was going to keep from hitting the car in front of me. Cars were going off in both directions, just into the, into the um, median and in, into the ditches. And I was able to steer off into the medium. I went ahead of two cars in front of me in the median. I never lost control. I must have been going 60 miles an hour, never lost control. Was able to pull back and was unharmed. Just last Monday, Cindy and I were on Highway 52 in Monk's Corner. In fact, we were right there. If you from Monk's Corner, you know where, where Bojangles is. And there was a car right beside me. We were just going around just the speed limit. And, and uh, I couldn't see what was going to my right because there was a car to my right. And out came this young lady right in front of me. And I applied the brakes and they squealed And there must not have been an inch between my car and her car. And if I hit her, it would have T-boned her, and it wouldn't have been a good thing. You know, people say, Pastor, you were just lucky. No. I say the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. Now, folks, I might be killed tomorrow. (laughs) But I believe with all my heart that the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear him. Angels are great, but they're just servants. Jesus is king. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And, you know, I think of what the angel said to the apostle John when he fell down to worship him. In Revelation 22, verse 9, he said, you must not do that. I am a what? A fellow servant with you. Worship God. See, Jesus is greater than angels. He has a greater name. He's the Son of God. He has a greater honor. He is worshipped by these angels. Amazing creatures. He has a greater position. He is the sovereign ruler. He has a greater existence. He is the eternal one. The eternal one. He has a greater occupation. He's the ruler. He's the ruler. What should we do? In response 
of what we have heard today. We need to worship. Let's pray together.